Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. All right, guys, this is the Beyond Fit podcast. I'm back with part two with my friend Lawrence. We started this podcast last week and didn't really feel like we got to cover all the things we wanted to as far as proactivity and being able to pivot and make the best out of a tough situation in the times that we're going through right now. Most recently, Lawrence was talking about how he was doing some new things in his business during COVID and even investing some money in his own business and the businesses of clients and stuff like that. So I thought that we could continue the talk that we were having on positivity, gratitude, proactivity, and Lawrence could kind of sum up just the biggest pieces that he's seen as important in helping him to stay the course and even try to flourish during this time. Yeah, and I think um, kind of the, the way we were sort of framing it up, if I remember rightly, on part one, is we were kind of looking at what are the positive outcomes, what are the opportunities and the learnings that have come out of this lockdown for myself. And I, I focused a lot on gratitude, just just being grateful for the most basic things. I mean, obviously that happens when you have a child, I've learned, mm-hmm. is, is suddenly just having like, you know, a, 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 a six hour block of sleep is suddenly a, a rarity, especially in the beginning and something you're grateful for. But then that only compounds when you're in a pandemic. And I don't think many people can say they've, well, obviously there's a lot of people now, but before uh, March, I don't think a lot of people could say, oh yeah, I raised a, a baby during a pandemic and a lockdown. So that's kind of a new experience and, and just really compounded that gratitude. Um, there's just a couple of other things I think I wanted to share that um, were sort of pertinent to me over this time. And I think I got much better at planning. You know, it was like the weirdest thing, right? Because there was so much uncertainty. And so you really don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're running a business, you have no idea um, well, most businesses, you have no idea what consumer demand is going to be like, how your customers are going to be able to operate, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I learned from sort of my mentors the importance of really scenario planning, contingency planning, right? So having like, okay, what's the best case scenario? That's like plan A. And then it's like the worst case scenario, that's like plan C. And what do we do for that? And then like there's one in the middle. And, um, you know, for me, I had to factor in income support from local government, um, you know, whether that was going to be available. And that would obviously be like the best case. And then there was like, okay, if there's no support and like, you know, I churn my entire client base because personal trainers can't operate unless they all go online, in which case I would have to pivot to, to more of the online stuff, which mm-hmm. I kind of do anyway. I do a hybrid anyway, offline and online because I have more skills in the online space as well. Um, but yeah, it was just really trying to think, okay, you know, what the hell do I do in these different situations? And that was such a healthy exercise, um, which I think has now made me a better entrepreneur now because it's, it's, it's being able to plan during a time like this just makes you better at planning in general. Um, and uh, obviously there's still an element of uncertainty, but there's less mm-hmm. of that now. And with everything reopening, I mean, Ireland reopened practically everything yesterday. Um, so Ireland's very closer to getting to, uh, to normal. And the UK is a little bit behind, I believe. And obviously the US is... What's, where, where, are you, where are you guys at at the moment um, in terms of reopening? Um, so is it's it actually... Much across the I mean, the interesting thing is it's really different state by state. So I think yeah. that really big cities like Los Angeles and New York are still pretty closed down. Although I think they have been starting to open up but in the midwest like for me most stuff is at least at 50 percent capacity or more like gyms are pretty much reopened restaurants um i can't really think of anything that's not at least open to a limited capacity at this point in the midwest but then again you have places like texas that i heard started to reopen and even got close to or up to 100 percent capacity 
and then because of uptick in cases had to kind of dial it back down so it's like it's sort of in waves in different parts of the united states okay yeah and i mean just to that's interesting just to tie a bow on that that bit i think what it kind of developed for me was sort of a trying to implement a stoic attitude so rather than panic and i did panic you know i mm-hmm. i when it first started happening you know I was straight on the phone to a friend of mine about who's a very good investor and uh, you know i was talking to him about money i had uh, i have a significant investment in an index fund in the uk and i was saying to him you know should i pull the whole thing out will i lose everything because i was thinking the markets are going to plummet and i know with with investing it's always about focusing on the long term and mm-hmm compound growth and not worrying about the dips but uh you know when you're when you're entering a an economic potentially economic crisis or an economic crisis that is totally unprecedented you don't know how the markets are going to respond so i was panicking um and so once i got through that period of being like totally flustered and frustrated and then i actually planned the contingencies as i described just now i just had this like stoic calm about me like i was like okay if the worst case scenario happens this is what i'm going to do Right, this is my mm-hmm. plan. These are my activities. Um, operate with that in mind. And obviously, if the, the best case scenario happens, then that's a bonus. And I'm still mm-hmm. operating like that now. And it just puts you at ease. And I think most people don't do that planning. They just, they're just kind of winging it day to day. And mm-hmm. I think that's a recipe for disaster and only going to stress you out further. Yeah, and I think that the, the money part is so interesting to me because I have luckily been in like a positive echo chamber of the books I've read and the people I've listened to just speaking about the importance of investing as much money as you can and doing so early. But then I also battle like, you know, thinking about if I ever want to make an investment into my own business, like doing coaching online, it's like, oh, but I want to invest a certain amount of money and I don't want to take any out. And it's kind of hard to balance that focus and like you said, having enough in savings too. A lot of times, I'm sure it's easy for an entrepreneur to say, oh, you know, I don't have to worry about the worst case scenario. Nothing's going to happen. But then it's kind of like, I think Warren Buffett said, you don't know who's naked until the tide goes out. Like at a time like this, it shows how important it is to have saved and have, like you said, plans and contingencies. And the money aspect is, I think, so interesting as an entrepreneur, because it's one of those things that is, it's just, it never really quite becomes relevant until it is you know what i mean like in a situation like this yeah totally i totally agree with that um uh i think yeah it's it's really good and i'm sure you're all over this so it sounds like you are but it's really good to have great money habits uh, as early as possible you know i spent most of my 20s pissing up money up the wall you know in bars and clubs when i was working in london and i was single um and, uh, you know, it wasn't until really 28, 29, I think, when I actually started saving properly and had that maturity. So, you know, I'm annoyed at myself for starting so late, but it's a lot of people who don't start uh, till very later on in life or never start at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it just comes down to a few things. It's like live as frugally as possible because mm-hmm. I think, I think if you're, um, if you understand what gets you, what makes you happy, what makes yeah. you feel fulfilled in life, you realize you don't need a lot of money anyway, right? And they've done research where I think they showed like anything beyond the 75k year threshold for mm-hmm. most people doesn't really produce much more happiness anyway, right? Um, and so it really comes down to like living being mature enough and and enlightened enough to realize that you can be very happy and live a really frugal life which i think should never stop i think you should always try and be smart about that even when you do start making more money uh, later on in life um or whenever you start making that money uh, and then just saving regularly you know just real simple yeah i think uh, you know i love uh, graham stevens youtube channel he's a have you heard of him he's a finance oh, guy so he's a real estate entrepreneur slash uh, finance uh, advice kind of guru. American guy lives in California. Um, you know, probably worth six or seven million, I think. And he's only 20, I want to say, eh, actually, I think he's 30. So he's done well for himself, but he's very mm-hmm. authentic and he's very likable. And he's not, he's not like, you know, selling get rich quick schemes or... Um, Uh, he's just very honest and i think that's why he's done so well i think he's got like two million youtube subscribers but i like his platform because he just talks about real basic financial advice that is good for the long term so he talks about investing a little bit every single month um 
And obviously with an index fund, you know, it compounds over time and it can in the long term be a, you know, an astronomical sum of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the, the process I follow. You know, I hear what you're saying, though. It is important to strike that balance because you do want to invest in yourself and you do want to invest in your business. And that's a personal decision. And I struggle with that sometimes. I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, this morning I just invested just over $2,000 in a new website, which I mm-hmm. think is a really, really, really important investment because my website is let's, let's say it like it is it's not great um i you know i need a good website in order to um build more authority help my customers help my audience um so it's probably going to generate more traffic it's probably going to generate more conversion so i should get a good roi for my business mm. uh, from that relatively quickly better anyway um and so that was one of those decisions where it's like, do I do that or do I like hold off and like continue as I am with the website I have and then maybe invest more personally? And it is always a bit of a, a challenge. Um, I think maybe it's good to have rules and filters for what you invest in. Um, you know, I have, I use something, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I use something called um, Traction or uh, EOS, which is stands for entrepreneur operating system, which is like a framework for building and managing a business. Okay. Um, and that helps me to decide on what things I need to prioritize on. So if anyone's listening to this, who's a small or medium sized business owner, um, and you're feeling a little lost, I highly recommend a book traction. It's been a huge game changer for me. Um, so yeah, those are just some thoughts on um, money management, I suppose. So did you, uh, when you talk about your website, did you, like get someone to help you with that, like contract someone out in some way. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I've been looking at doing too, because like I try, I've tried to work on my own website before, but it's just, it seems like more headache than it is like actually getting anything, getting any traction, getting anything accomplished. And I've also tried to realize that like where I see my skill set is more so in just creating, being able to write and do podcasts. And if I were to ever, try to start a new website i think i definitely go that route too where okay this is what i want it to look like this is what i want it to be like and not try to do all this stuff myself i guess that's another lesson you learn too is that i think you at some point think that you can do all this stuff yourself but you realize the importance in having a network and having you know hiring people to do things that are not your strengths and your and your number one skill sets yeah 100 percent. yeah you have your unique ability you know the things that you're good at the things that you enjoy mm-hmm. um and and you want to you want to hire out or invest or delegate the rest um it's tough because at the beginning you're wearing all the hats you know you don't mm-hmm. have the, the cash flow so you have to do everything yourself um or you have to kind of maybe trade favors with people to ha- for them to help you with things but it is very difficult in the start because it's a bit of a catch-22 because you want to you want to grow, but then you don't have the time and then you, you, you can't, you don't have the um, capability to do everything. And then you want to outsource, but you don't have the revenues. And it's, it's really tough at the start. I think that's probably why a lot of entrepreneurs fail to be honest. Yeah. But then to your point, you can't grow, you can't scale and you can't avoid burnout. And I think burnout is freaking real, regardless of what people say. Um, mm-hmm. You can't avoid that. If you, if you don't, um, if you don't actually learn how to, to outsource these things. And a great saying for this is um, who, not how. So it's like, mm. so this is great. Yeah. I, like I mean, it. obviously it's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's like, you know, oh, how do I do this, this technical job in my business? Like, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to like invest a bunch of time and money to figure it out. Just pay someone you know? mm-hmm. um, and focus on what you, what the bits that you're good at and you enjoy. Um, and, and at a certain point that becomes possible and necessary essentially even. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still a relatively young business and I still have to, um, I still debate some of these things and I still do things myself, which I don't want to do. And I would like to delegate and it's just a case of as the as as the revenue grows it's about taking more off my table of my workload over time incrementally you know i'd love to just get rid of it all but yeah and i try to think about i mean the frame of mind i try to come with this sort of stuff at is like yeah as you know talking about an index fund there's probably a ceiling of like you can return seven or eight percent per year which is great but if you make an investment in yourself there's no saying that it couldn't be a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, a thousand percent 
um, return on investment because exactly. it's really, you know, it, it's, it's limitless when you talk about yourself and investing in your own business. And the other thing I think is interesting that probably is one of the major stipulations is not only the aspect of time and, you know, doing things because you want to save money, save, well, spend the time to save the money. But I think that people also probably fall into like perfectionism and feeling like they have to have control and like, oh, if I don't do it, you know, whoever does it isn't going to do it right. But I'm sure that that probably just expedites the burnout that you that you speak on. 100%. Yeah, I think you're, you're so wise, Jake, beyond your years. What are you, 24, aren't you? you, you yeah, told me yeah I try. It's... It's uh, no, it's, it's really, I mean, I speak to people who are twice your age, who have no idea about mm. that stuff. And it's so true. You're right. Um, yeah. I, I, just well, I think you agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of speaking on something like this. I mean, I guess I kind of talk about something along these lines all the time, but I feel like fitness is so important to me because it taught me like the philosophy of how to re- live the rest of my life. Like, as you know, you never see results from one healthy meal or from one workout but compounded over time, just like you talked about compounding and investing is where the gold really lies and being able to work out consistently, consistently over a number of years and build healthy eating habits. That's kind of the way I try to look at my whole life. And, you know, there's, there's books and people that I enjoy, like uh, James Clear and his book, Atomic Habits, which I actually haven't read, but it just, I just know a lot about. And just these people that talk about habits and like we always talk about our favorite podcast, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss, people like that, I think really changed my mindset because they're so focused on being pragmatic and saying, you know, this, you just have to do the little things day after day. I think that two of the closest parallels in my life that are, that are interest of me, uh, interest to me is like personal finance and fitness, because like I said, they're both, you know, you're never going to see a huge benefit like immediately from putting away a hundred dollars, but given 20 or 30 years that, hundred dollars is going to grow and it's going to continue to compound on itself. And I feel that same way about building a strong and healthy body and mind and eating habits and sleeping habits, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's a great way to look at it. It's, I think it's totally true. And um, I, I forget that actually, I forget that developing habits that improve health, mind, body, and spirit um, mm-hmm. do, do compound probably um, just like financial investing and, um, and I'm, I'm less, I would say I'm less disciplined at improving that, those elements than I am investing, which is to my detriment because the returns on the former are far greater, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're absolutely right. You know what you said earlier about um, investing in yourself. If you listen to anyone, like I think Warren Buffett said this. Yeah, like he any, said the greatest investment is an investment yeah. in yourself, I think. Yeah, I was thinking of that. Yeah, too. in your knowledge, in your skills is because when you do that, you're just, you, you increase the, your value significantly. And, you know, if you're like a consultant and you invest in yourself to be, you know, grow your knowledge in an area, you can charge a very, very, you know, high amount of, um, high amount of money for your time um, and for your services. And so it's, it's yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the majority of your investment priority should be in yourself, in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just making sure that there's a, a small percentage that you're investing in something like an index fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that know, the other, awesome. the other thing that's most tangible to me here is to, and it's especially just a lesson that I wish that I would impart on myself and remember more often, but so much of what we do, whether it be in business or in life is about human connection. And like, I think you can only go so far trying to teach yourself and trying to work on your business yourself. But when you get to speak with someone else, like you spoke on mentors, getting to bounce ideas off people, getting to just have a sort of human connection, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it is always to me a lot more valuable than just bouncing ideas off of yourself and trying to rely on your own learning. Like so much of the growth that I've made is just from having conversations with people and learning from people that have more experience than me. And so I guess, I I think it's interesting if you uh, were to speak more on mentors and like how that's impacted you. And like I said, just trying to impart the wisdom on myself, I am naturally pretty introverted. So it's my tendency to just kind of stay closed off in my own shell. But I always try to remind myself of the huge, again, compound rewards of interacting with other people and getting new perspectives. Oh yeah. Mentors are everything. Um, I can attribute pretty much any 
success I've had to date from mentorship. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a few that come to mind. Uh, you know, I invested in a business coach two years ago. Um, best decision I ever made in my business. Um, you know, turned a podcast slash blog that was kind of lost and making a uh, inconsistent low income into an actual proper business with you know a a you know monthly and annual recurring revenue that's somewhat predictable and and has you know a a great future ahead of it um in um high intensity business and uh i'd say you know there's a few there's um if we go i'll talk about three actually uh three with a th uh, that I think were most impactful. So going right back when I was in my early 20s, I think I might have touched on this with you in our very first podcast, but I had a, I went and worked for a guy um, in recruitment or headhunting. Um, and I, I really worked for this guy, not because I was necessarily interested in that industry, but because I wanted to work for him because mm-hmm. he was an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, um, had a small business, his headhunting firm, but he was 74 years old and he looked incredible for his age and he was super fit and healthy. And, um, I kind of just wanted to be around him. I wanted to soak up his wisdom, be it business, life, fitness. Um, and I love just being around him. I mean, he was a bit crazy, but, um, there was a lot of good stuff about him and uh, we, we, we got on really well and he was very motivational. Um, and he's the, the one who told me about the Spartan health regime, which I think I touched on our first podcast, which was just the first uh, ebook that was or book that was given to me, um, which really started to change the way I looked at exercise and health and fitness. And that really started the journey of really um, implementing smarter exercise into my life and which led Mm -hmm. on to high intensity training and all of that stuff. Um, So he was an enormous mentor to me and we're still in touch now. And in fact, I'm trying to get him on the podcast at some point. He's still going. I think he's like, must be in his eighties now and he's just, uh, just doing doing great. Yeah. Like still, I'm pretty sure he's still, I mean, he looks great. He doesn't look like his age today. He's still working out regularly, still running a business. Um, and yeah, so I mean, that was, that was David. Uh, and then more recently, perhaps over the last few years, I met Luke, who's uh, Luke Carlson, who's a CEO and founder of Discover Strength. And he's been my probably at this point, my most featured guest on the podcast, because he's just a fantastic entrepreneur. Um, you know, he's built Discover Strength into a five studio, $4 million revenue business and sky's the limit. And he's just a phenomenal individual and has taught me so much about business and about fitness businesses. Um, and it's just such an open-minded guy, you know, you know, comfortable in being challenged. Um, and, uh, and just a great critical thinker. And, and I love having conversations with him. And so I'd be lying if I said that, you know, the amount of information I've absorbed from him over the years has been nothing short of significant. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, so when I think of like the, my collective mentors and how that's influenced me and my, any success I've had, it's like just gigantic. Like I just don't, if you, if you include on top of that, all the podcasts, like you were mentioning. Yeah. That's what Jura I was going to ask too. In Paris. Oh yeah. It's all, they are, I mean, okay, so they're not talking to you one-on-one and mm-hmm. you know, you're not sitting down having a coffee with them, but it's very similar situation. You know, if you, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's certain, I haven't listened to Tim Ferriss for a long time, but um, uh, I used to listen to him a lot and I would listen to certain episodes over and over and over again. Like there's one he did on productivity for neurotic people way back. It was like a solo episode. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just where he talks about his method for productivity, which is, you know, pick one thing, just do that one thing <laughs> in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And uh, I listened to that episode probably 20 times. It's like 20 minutes in length. And then there's another one he did on branding, which is all about the thousand true fan concept. And mm-hmm. again, probably listen to that 10 times. So I think when you listen to certain things enough, then it is exactly the same as being mentored by that individual. So. Yeah. And I remember him also saying in either tools of Titans or tribe of mentors, he was saying how he has all these mentors in his life that he mentions and writes about in the book. And he says that you know, he won't always reach out to them when he has a problem, but sometimes it's useful to just say, what, what do I think that Jocko Willink would tell me in this situation or this person would tell me or what advice would Naval have for me if I were to ask him this? And often just like separating yourself 
from your own thoughts in that way can also be useful when you talk about mentorship of people that, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't even necessarily know. Yeah, I totally agree. I love that. Like <laughs> when I was trying to get better at picking up girls when I was in my twenties, mm -hmm. I would, I would read all the self-help about um, dating. Right. And, uh, I remember reading, I think it was Double Your Dating by David D'Angelo was his name. And uh, his real name's Eben Pagan. He's gone on to do lots of, uh, uh, you know, sort of um, other businesses. He does um, business consultancy stuff. Uh, but he had a lot of success building a kind of online dating business, uh, helping guys get better with girls. And uh, obviously at that time, that's kind of all you really care about when you're a young, young male. Um, and uh, I remember being in situations, you know, in bars and thinking, what would David do? You know, like if mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do, I would think of what, and I feel silly saying it because like, you know, when I look back, I think of all the stupid stuff I did, which mm -hmm. was just totally inauthentic. And part of being great with girls is just being, being honest and being who you are, you know, and being the best version of yourself. But um, yeah, at that time I would just think, what would he do in this situation? I found that very helpful. So I don't know why that was the first example that came to mind. Um, I wish a, a more kind of cool business example come up, mm -hmm. but I thought that might was be it, kind of fun. Was Neil Strauss, have you ever heard of him? That's what I think yes, of he, when I think of those. He wrote that book, like The Game or something yeah. like that. He wrote the game. He was um, he was part of that community of pickup mm -hmm. artists, and obviously he was a journalist who was terrible with women and wanted to get better, and then you know developed his skills quite a bit through mm -hmm. interacting with those individuals. And yeah, that's a that's a fascinating read. That the game. yeah, it's it sounds it seems like lessons like that too are just like macro lessons in business and just like the law of attraction, yeah. the law of just like Robert Greene's book, I think is called the the some, how, however many laws of seduction. And I think a lot of people read it because they're not even necessarily looking to seduce or to date or whatever, but it's just the art of connecting with people and being an attractive person that people want to know and want to interact with. Totally. Yeah. It's all interconnected. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's all like, yeah, it's uh, that's it really. It's just all, all, all transfers mm -hmm. across domains. Yeah. So something else I was thinking of here, I've spoken a lot on my podcast lately about just the importance of having a vision. And you talk about something that's very um, visceral to me too, about just knowing what you want out of life, knowing what it's going to take to get there. And um, someone I really admire in the personal finance space is Ramit Sethi. He wrote the book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, and just talks about having what is your rich life so what are the things that bring you joy that you want to spend a little bit more money on and what are areas that you don't mind cutting corners and just having having a vision of i don't need to make a million dollars a year i can have a sustainable amount of income on my own uh, arnold schwarzenegger talks a lot about this i was watching this commencement speech that he gave in which he was talking about the fact that a lot of kids will graduate college and will have this degree and not know where they want to take it and he has made the point many times that the most important thing is just that you have a vision of where you want to go and that given the right, um, I guess, just vision and road that you want to take, that you can, you can do the things you want to do, but it shouldn't just be like, I, I think that the problem I see, you know, we talked about having friends in the corporate world and stuff like that. And I think one of the problems that happens is there's people that are have a lot of merits and have high morals and are just smart and know what it takes to be successful. But if they're just kind of being thrown around and competing in an arena that they really don't care about, I think that that's where you can see angst and neuroticism increase as people go throughout their careers. So I guess I'm just kind of curious how you see the importance of vision and how much that plays a role for you because yes it's it's important but at the same time i think that there's a lot of unknowns and so you kind of have to have like a loose vision but on like know the path that you're that you're wanting to go on yeah that last bit was key i i totally agree i think i think it's really important to have a goal um you know i've always sucked at goal setting i've always been better with i think david allen talks about intent uh, i think we've talked about i've spoken that about with, with david allen who's the, the gtd guy mm -hmm. you know well um 
and I've always been terrible at goal setting. And then I started doing this um, traction entrepreneur operating system framework. And it's the first time ever that I've been able to actually consistently um, uh, sort of manage and set and achieve goals. Uh, and in fact, I'm looking at right now in front of me, two pieces of paper, which are called the vision traction organizer, which is basically your entire business plan on one A4 piece of paper. And I have two businesses. I have one main business, high intensity business, and I have a second business, which is a um, personal training business uh, called Optima Strength, which is literally launching in the next few days. Um, and so I have a separate, separate uh, sheet for that. And both sheets have the vision. It's actually called the Vision Traction Organizer. So it's kind of funny that you're talking about this. It's right in front of me. And, um, and we've got a vision, you know, in terms of where we want that business, both where I want both of those businesses to be in 10 years. And um, that's pretty much summed up by a revenue figure, right? Um, and then we work backwards from that revenue figure. Okay, so what's the three-year picture? You know, what's the one-year plan? And then you work backwards, you kind of backward engineer it. Yeah, the vision yeah, is, you know, you, yeah, reverse engineer. You don't, again, the, the 10 year target, you don't, um, you don't set exactly what's going to happen or what's it gonna, the business going to look like then or how you're going to do it. It's more about having a, a kind of target to aim for. And then yeah, the, exactly. the one and three year is far more tactical because like you say, you said it there when you were talking about vision that things change. There's so much uncertainty that it's not that productive to plan that far out in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I have to have a direction. So for me, having these two uh, plans for each, uh, one for each business, and then being able to bring it down to the year and then the, the quarterly and then the weekly is so powerful and so productive because it, it, it enables you to focus your time every day on things that you know are actually contributing to that greater vision. So that's why I love this system. Um, now, from a more kind of personal perspective, obviously I've got a six month old son um, and we currently reside in a rental apartment in Galway in Ireland. And I live with my fiance as well. And for me, it's really just, there are some things I would like to do to improve our quality of life, like buy a house, um, maybe have one or two more kids. Um, and I just want to make sure they're happy. You know, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure that, that for Ash, for my fiance, it's really just making sure that, Arthur has everything he needs to, um, to, to thrive and to have the best opportunities available to him and then for her to live a good life. And it's, and those things aren't necessarily don't have to be super expensive. Mm -hmm. Obviously buying a house can be expensive, but, um, relatively speaking, they're, they're in reach and we live a pretty frugal life. So those things are just not going to be, I don't think too challenging to achieve, but those things I am focused on obviously providing over the next few years. So those are kind of more shorter, medium term things. Um, and then the, the, the 10 year goals, the business are obviously a longer term, a 10 year vision, but then beyond that, I really don't care because mm-hmm. I quite like, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. I quite like, um, the idea of reinventing yourself over time. So I think Derek Sivers talks about this, like having, and the Val Ravikan, you know, specialization yeah. is yeah, for James, Have you ever heard of James Altucher? That's what comes to mind for me. His book is called yeah. Choose Yourself. Right. Yeah, I'm familiar with James. Didn't know he talked about this aspect though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just about, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a fitness coach for 50 years. You know, you can, you know, you can, and change your careers as you go through life and you can do very very diverse and different things so you know i i could run high intensity business for another let's say 10 years and then at that point i might decide to 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 sell that business or uh, maybe it becomes a smaller part of my life and i do something else or i do something new altogether now i don't know whether that's the case i might choose to do high intensity business forever because i just love it you know that could that could be the outcome um the same with this business i'm starting maybe i do it for 10 years and then i don't want to do it anymore and we part ways so i'm always kind of open-minded about that possibility and the idea that maybe in you know because i have much like you jake i i I occasionally have a thought in my head like you know i'd really like to write a book or i'd really like to uh you know lately (laughs) i've been getting back back into mathematics because i was pretty good at Mm -hmm. maths at school and um i for some reason i have a real i have a real kind of like 
inspiration lately to spend some time just getting back into maths and trying to see how far I could go with that. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I bought a book the other day on my Kindle, which is like a introductory maths book. I'm just working my way through it. Uh, but it's, it's not like, you know, it's, it, it's, it gets complex quickly, but it's not that, that complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I was saying to, I was sort of joking around my fiance yesterday, I said, oh, you know, I might go and do like a PhD, you know, do a doctorate in, maths and go and do some like get into engineering or something who knows mm. my dad's got that background i'm not blessed naturally with sort of engineering skills but i'm just sort of thinking about it and maybe i'll explore that in the future um and i don't know whenever i watch like goodwill hunting or any of these movies where there's like geniuses involved like the fear the theory of everything i just get mm-hmm. so excited and i think why is that why do i feel like that um and so yeah that's another avenue that i might do in my you know explore in my 40s so i think yeah. it's, it's it's cool to be open about the possibilities of the future and the fact that you could just change your career on a dime mm-hmm. um if you wanted to so that's how i think about that stuff yeah it's kind of like how naval talks about just following your interests and i think that that's important but it's also tough in today's world because i talked with a friend about this on my podcast before that it's like there's so many different things that you could do. And with the internet and seeing like what everyone else is doing, it can almost be overwhelming where it's like, oh, this career path might be cool or exploring this or reading about this or finding out about this. I think that I like I try to cultivate like open-mindedness to an extent of like a few. I, I think that another thing I wrote down here is just like the importance of having values. Like I'm sure you're very aware of your values because it can translate to like your business or raising your son. And I think something that uh, I believe Adam Grant, I originally heard talk about this, but saying basically that your personality and your immediate endeavors can be malleable. But if you have this overarching vision of what you want out of life, so like for you, maybe it's just being growth minded and maybe growth minded means pursuing this other avenue, or maybe it means just growing your business to a certain extent. You can have these really high arching values, but also be open minded and and vary a lot in your day-to-day or even like monthly yearly sort of goals and and tracks and stuff like that yeah i love that um so yeah i mean right here on these two business plans i've got core values and it's quite interesting they're both very similar they're almost exactly the same on each Mm -hmm. business um because your core values really have nothing to do with the business they're they're what are deep within you is your core values that and determine, I guess, everything else. And I just, I just read a few here. Growth mindset was number one, which you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, passionate about community. You know, I love, I love the idea of you know the book Small Giants. Um, no, I don't think I've heard of that. Oh wait, so about like a, like like businesses that are that people haven't heard of that are really successful, something like that. Yeah, like well, some of them are quite well known, but a lot of them are, are not that well known or small. And they they deliberately they make a conscious choice not to yeah. grow you on a certain mm-hmm. size, and instead they focus on just being great businesses that create great products and services, um, and uh, and and tend to be very profitable. Uh, and I find that so inspiring because I love the idea of building something that is greater than myself and serves a great a large community of people and so passionate about community is definitely one of my values and i kind of see that as the same thing as passionate about family friends Mm -hmm. that kind of thing um and then uh, evidence-based so this is for optima strength this is the the personal training business evidence-based being you know if it's not if it's not um, you know supported by scientific evidence that this is the best thing to do then we're not doing it it's that kind of viewpoint and then for high intensity business i don't have evidence base but i have data driven if i do something and the data doesn't support it i'm not doing it anymore and mm-hmm. that's kind of i'm very passionate about the scientific method and i think it's probably the support we have for discerning truth in a lot of different domains and so i think we should be using it um uh, and again, one of my other values for, for high intensity business is always learning. You know, when I'm on the podcast with people, I'm always thinking, um, you know, you get a lot of people talk about, oh, if you want to build a business on a podcast, you have to position yourself as the expert. And I, I do agree with that. You have to position yourself as someone of value and someone who, like, if you have a product behind the podcast and that product is you being a, a coach or an expert of some kind, and yeah, you have to demonstrate that you you're not an idiot that you, um, that you have actually, let me rephrase that. You have to demonstrate that you have uh, value. They have information to bring to the table, but at the same time, I think that it's perfectly fine to be completely vulnerable and honest 
during a call with another expert because that's how we learn from each other being that vulnerable yeah, and exactly. i think the listener the listener is actually going to get the most out of it if you're able to do that and so many people aren't doing that on podcasts right now and um that's a real problem because i actually think that's one of the reasons why they're not succeeding in their podcast is probably because they're, they're they're not willing to 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 be as vulnerable and and um let their guard down you know yeah one of my favorite quotes that i that i always go back to is from Dale Carnegie, he says, to be interesting, be interested. And I think that I try to embody that and just trying to, you know, like if I don't understand something, I try to state that and figure out where I need to bridge the gap in my understanding. And I think that, like you said, yeah, you do want to, but want to be a source of value. But at the same time, if someone sees you as a no bullshit sort of person who is not going to pretend like they know something, but at the same time, like maybe that even adds to the sense that, oh, yeah, he knows a lot and he's not going to stop learning more because he obviously isn't afraid to state where he falls short. And like I'm looking at my values right now, like I, I wrote down my values and I, I try to revisit them often. And it's like truthful, grateful. So there's five of them here. Truthful, grateful, persistent learner and generosity and so i think that that all speaks to like they're very similar to yours continuing to grow continuing to cultivate a relationship with other people like you spoke on community and i'm very focused on my interpersonal relationships as well as trying to grow more relationships of people i can have on the podcast or bounce fitness or business ideas off of and you're exactly right when you say that all these values are interconnected whether it be applied to your family your business being a person of values and knowing what your values are and having them be high and overarching is one of the most important things to me. Do you, for you, are those values, do you feel like you embody all of those or do you aspire to those? Um, I would say it's kind of a mix of both. Like I think that probably the reason that they are my values is because I see them as important and I, I think that partly is it's hard because sometimes, you know, I'd rather be a know-it-all and I'd rather not be vulnerable, but because I know where these values are going to lead me to overall growth, I think that being reminded that these are my values kind of helps me live them out. So it's kind of like a mix of both. I don't always embody them, but I think that they're the most important things to me for continued growth and so i try to as much as possible if that makes sense yeah by the way before i forget have you heard um akira the don who's a british no. artist oh, he's a music artist he, but he does he's done he, i think you might well i don't know whether you'll like this this is right up my street but i'm not sure if it's up yours um but basically he's done uh, all these mixes with jordan peterson's wisdom mm. And he's taken like Jordan Peterson, Scott Adams, Jocko Willink, um, uh, who else? Probably various other, uh, Alan Watts, like various other sort of mm. experts and philosophers Love and all people those guys. like that. And he, what he's done is he's just put like a really good beat behind like production behind like, you know, one of their lectures, but he's like diced, mixed it up so that he's taken like the key takeaways and then he's like gets them to repeat it and then create these mm -hmm. amazing music tracks so yeah if you want to list if, you, if you're it's kind of like spoken word kind of thing mm -hmm. you know but with music behind it and uh the jocko willink one is from his video good you oh, see yeah. that one mm -hmm. uh and it's like it, you listen to it and you're like oh man i've got no excuses like <laughs> all right you're ready to run through a brick wall <laughs> kind of like that yeah so um uh, yeah, so if anyone needs any kind of like motivation or inspiration, or you just prefer learning through a different format than reading, you know, Jordan yeah. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, then I encourage you to check out. So it's Akira the Don is A-K-I-R-A, -A, uh, T-H-E, obviously, uh, and then Don, D-O-N, and it's okay. on YouTube, and it's, it's phenomenal. I enjoy it. Well, so one more thing go. I wanted to make sure we get to here is we've, taught, we've talked a lot about, um, well, I guess I used the word earlier, positive echo chamber. And I remember speaking a little bit in the first podcast about watching the news and consuming information. And again, one of my virtues, in addition to be open-minded and wanting to learn, is just trying to see the positive in all situations and be optimistic because like has already been a theme for us in these 
part one and part two of this podcast. It's like, yeah, you can, you can say that the world sucks and sulk and just be pissed off because of the coronavirus and all the things that it's introduced. But I think that you can also see it as, yeah, it was a turning point for humanity that probably needed to happen to help kind of boost us into the 21st century, help business models pivot, um, go more into the online sector of meeting and getting businesses away from like the nine to five office sort of culture. And I guess my question here is, how do you cultivate a positive mindset and how important is that to you? And I guess I'm also curious in like, what is your theories on how you, uh, how you consume content? Like for me, I try to not watch the news and I try to, again, create these positive echo chambers of, like you said, listening to the same Tim Ferriss podcast 20 times. I do stuff like that too, where I listen so broadly and widely to different podcasts that inspire me because to me, it just helps keep me in a positive frame of mind, whereas someone else might, you know, read CNN or Fox News all day and probably that's going to manifest in a negative uh, frame of mind and more angst and neuroticism and stuff like that. Yeah, I think um, I can answer both of these questions in with one answer. Um, and it all comes down to, as you were saying there, just curating your who you spend your time with and what mm-hmm. you consume. You know, probably the worst thing is spending time with people that drag you down. That's probably the mm-hmm. number one detractor from having a positive mindset. Um, you know, I, I just people I used to um, associate with when I lived in the UK that just made me feel like crap. You know, you know, these Mm -hmm. people, you spend time with them and then you come away from it and you feel terrible versus there's other individuals who spend time with and you walk away and you feel amazing. And you're like, God, Mm -hmm. I feel so inspired after spending time with that person. It's really, really straightforward. Spend more time with the latter, spend less time with the former. Um, Now, what I don't think is talked about very often is how do you do that? Because it's really hard to especially say to someone who's a close friend or someone you spend a lot of time with, look, I don't want to spend time with you anymore. You're bad for me. Um, And a good way of doing it is just get really busy spending time with the other people or doing things that uh, make you better or empower you. And just as an organic byproduct of that will mean you'll spend less time with that person and then eventually you can sort of push them out of your life um and and that sounds kind of harsh but i think the way i like to look at it and i think naval says this perfectly is everyone's at a different stage of their journey and maybe there are some individuals who are like really negative maybe they've gone maybe they've got a reason to be maybe they've gone through some really hard times in their life and maybe they just need more time to get to a place where they are a more positive individual um uh, but the reality is, is that, you know, if you, if you, if you spend too much time with those people, especially if you spend energy trying to help them, I mean, I, I have people that come to mind for me who I've invested tons and tons of energy trying to help in different circumstances and it's just all for naught and it's just wasted and it's just brought me down and it's made me less productive and less happy. Um, and so I think there's a really good analogy for this, isn't it? Like uh, put your own life mask on before you put someone else's on. If you're on an airplane, mm. it's that mm-hmm. whole Jordan Peterson talks about this. There's a whole chapter on this. It's like, if you try and help, like I think he uses the drowning analogy. It's like, if you try and help someone that's drowning, you just end up kind of drowning yourself. And it's, uh, he says it far more articulate than that. And that sounds to me like doesn't make a lot of sense, but, um, but the, the fact is, it's like, if you, if you spend a lot of your time trying to help people who can't be helped, um, then it's, it's, it's hugely destructive. Mm. Um, so that's people. I think that's the biggest one. And then the second one, and I look at my life now and I really have no negative influences. I'm so ruthless now. Like I just have none of those people in my life and any people I speak to regularly are people that, you know, add value to my life. Uh, and, um, from a yeah curation perspective, I consume no mainstream media, um, I wish I just didn't consume any personal social media whatsoever. Um, I think it's important to produce on social media as a business person um, because I think it's a tremendous tool, but consuming on social media, I don't think has any benefits. (laughs) I think the net, the net outcome of social media consumption is very negative. And I think we're only just starting to learn just how damaging it is for our mental health. I think we're still, I I don't know if you saw Simon Sinek's, um, bit about this so he was on a, the podcast impact theory with tom billion oh, yeah and he talked West about Interest, social yeah. media yeah that's right and he talked about social media he likened it to a, a, a booze cabinet you know a cabinet full of alcohol saying and it was like when social media came out it was like opening the lid of the booze cabinet to 
you know, your 10 year old or whatever and saying, Hey, have as much as you like, not realizing the, 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 you know, the negative out the damage that, um, that social media consumption can do. And so, um, yeah, I mean, look, I still use social media. I'm still on it. Uh, I still access it for personal reasons. And I, every time I do, if, especially if I'm on it for like a long period of time, like 20 minutes, half an hour, I always come off it feeling real crappy, just like spending time with those individuals that are bad for you. It's the same thing with social media, I find. So I think it's incredibly important to curate your content consumption. Try to only consume content that is actually productive and beneficial obviously you don't want to be stuck in an echo chamber like if you're passionate about learning about politics or i don't know anything you always want to have access and yeah. expose yourself have to some both nuance. sides right mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely but um i'm just talking more generally here about like positive and negative influences mm-hmm. so yeah i mean it's the whole uh, you know tim ferris talks about this in four hour work week cultivate selective ignorance it's a huge uh, um it's it's massively productive to do that and it's very yeah. very helpful um and uh yeah that's that's probably all i would all i would say on that it's, yeah. it's very straightforward cut out the crap and do more of the stuff that makes you feel empowered and positive you know yeah <laughs> it's yeah and i and i know you have to go but i think that if i was to just give one piece of advice to somebody it would be i know how important it is in my life to create positive momentum just like you can create negative momentum, have negative relationships, get out of shape, you know, drink, smoke, whatever it may be. You can have positive momentum. You eat healthy food. You, you consume a healthy mental diet. You have a mental or you have an emotional and spiritual practice. You pay close attention to your relationships. Like it gets easier. It's kind of like they say a rolling stone gathers no moss. Well, it's, it's like that with your positive journey or your negative journey, whatever trajectory you start on. I think that it gets easier to stay on that trajectory. I think that's a great analogy, man. Awesome, Jake. Well, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Cool. And have a have a good meeting. I know that I know that you're 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 ready to go, but just thank you again. No, I I, thank you. I'm honored and appreciate you having me back on the show, mate. Um, We'll have to uh, talk soon. But yeah, if you ever need any help, just um, drop me a line. All right. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.